ethos. If we fail to address the stress that these children are under, there's no way they can think about their math equation. Think back to when you were a kid and you had that one teacher, or maybe it was a coach or tutor that took the time to invest in you, who believed in you more than maybe you believed in yourself and gave you some hope. They made learning fun. Lindsay Wander is like that, and she's here to help us have fun learning again. Welcome to The Next Simple Step. I'm Paul Goldsmith. Lindsay is the founder and CEO of Worldwise Tutoring Company and also the founder and president of Educate, Radiate, Elevate, a nonprofit providing tutoring to students in underserved communities at no cost to their families. Lindsay, for parents listening or anyone who has a heart for kids, Tell us, what's your secret? What's the secret to helping kids or any of us learn? I think you kind of hit it on the head right from the beginning. It's to make learning fun. When kids are born, they're excited to learn new things. The world is just full of opportunities to discover and to understand. And unfortunately, you know, over time, that kind of dies off a little bit. And they lose that passion for inquiry and understanding and the ability to bring that back really opens up so many opportunities for them. How do you reignite that? One of the things that we do is we make our lessons more student-centered rather than adult-led. What that basically means in simple terms is rather than telling a student, this is the way you do it. To get from point A to point B, this is it, do it. (laughs) It's the only way. Instead, what we do is we get to know the students as individuals. We understand their interests, their passions, their strengths, the things that perhaps they're not as strong at. And we find a way to help them with the process of getting from A to B, but in a way that's more fit to their unique style. And a lot of that involves giving them choices, showing them various avenues and pathways and resources and letting them make the choice of which one aligns best with them. And showing them that you're still going to get to the end result, but your unique way of doing it is a superpower in a way. Basically, what we're doing is we're fostering in them critical thinking, creative problem-solving skills by allowing them to find their own path, giving them the guidance and the support they need to get there. That doesn't sound like many of our experience with the education system. Mm -hmm. Now, I have three kids and love the teachers, but it seems pretty rigid from my perspective, at least. And you were a teacher in schools. In fact, you were a middle school biology teacher in South Central LA. What was that experience like for you? It was amazing, actually. I think that science is one of the areas that kids are just so naturally interested in, understanding the world around them. So I really tapped into that and the world within them, because, you know, we also did a lot of anatomy and a lot about the body systems and cells and molecules. So I think that it was great to be able to harness that curiosity in a way that kind of gave them answers to these things they were wondering about and satisfied their curiosity. I was in South Central and and there's definitely stigmas around working with low-income students of color. You know, we often hear parents aren't involved, they don't care, there's no resources. And I feel like my experience was very different. Our approach as a school was very different. We really sought to see the students as humans, as actual people, and really build relationships with their families and their parents and teach them the skills that were very important. My goal every single day walking into that room wasn't 
are they going to memorize the steps of mitosis? Are they going to remember all 11, you know, organ systems, but more so are they going to enjoy the process of learning about mitosis and the organ systems? That was more important to me because I felt like that was setting them up for success in doing so. Yes, they were going to learn the processes as well. I love it. How do you get kids specifically, I think of girls, I have a daughter, uh, more excited about learning about science? That's a great question because, you know, science is one of those fields that tends to be more dominated by males. And so one of the ways I did it was making sure to really focus in and show them the prevalence and the contributions of women to science. Um, For instance, when it comes to the discovery of DNA, it was actually a woman that made the initial discoveries. Her results were basically stolen by a man (laughs) and was the one who got the credit for it. So I really try to make sure that the students know the players in the field that maybe aren't being spotlighted. In addition to that, the scientists of color, the scientists who maybe come from lower income, more humble beginnings. I want them to see themselves in these people. Anyone with the ability to think critically and really look at the world around them and wonder can make some really amazing discoveries. I think you've tapped into something really special there because we do that with professional athletes. Those are the role models for kids. Not everybody has the athletic ability to to be a Mm -hmm. professional athlete. In fact, a small minority of people do. A lot more people uh, could pursue science or or a career in the arts or, or whatever the case may be. There's other outlets. And by having those role models lifted up, that is a really powerful way of illustrating that. So you got out of teaching, but not really. You got out of teaching <laughs> in the school system and became founder of a, a tutoring company. What was your motivation for that? My main motivation is I wanted to help the students who weren't served by the traditional system. Maybe they had a learning difficulty. Maybe their IQ was off the charts and they were a quote unquote behavior problem as a result of it. Maybe they were bored, unengaged, um, whatever it might be. The traditional system I just saw wasn't working for many students. And I don't know how many people know this. Our traditional school system was developed during the Industrial Revolution, which was all about do the same process over and over and over, pump out workers. And we're just in a different phase of society now. We need innovators. We need people to think outside the box and to kind of challenge the way things currently are. And in addition to that, the students rising up, they're big feelers. They have a lot of feelings, very aware of what's going on in the world, more so than I believe I was at that age. And I think that we really have to address the weight on their shoulders of what they're feeling around them. And so social emotional learning is a huge component that is just now starting to become more popular. And then beyond that, I also saw as a classroom teacher, you know, the experience of I have to meet these standards. I have to get these test scores. My job is on the line. It's not necessarily the teacher's fault or the school's fault, but I feel like there's so many things I wanted to teach my students. Like I wanted to teach them how to get organized. I wanted to teach them how to plan and prioritize, how to emotionally self-regulate, all these other skills that are so, so vital for success, but we just kind of expect the kids to figure it out where I think we're missing the mark. I feel like in school, we should be teaching that. And my hands were tied. You know, there was only so much I could do in the classroom, only so much time I had them. And so I started tutoring on the side and loved it and decided I felt like I could have a much greater 
long-term impact on students by working with them one-on-one on these underlying, I call them underlying learning and life skills, and be able to kind of help them in a more personalized way than I was able to do in a classroom of 45. Okay. So maybe clear up because maybe I have a misconception about tutoring and and others may have the same thing where if one of my kids is struggling in math, I take them to a math tutor or science, I take them to science tutor, but you mentioned helping kids socially, emotionally. So give us an example of how you help kids in that way. That's really interesting because I noticed the same thing when I started tutoring and I was thinking, oh my gosh, these poor parents having to manage five different tutors. So one of the things I developed my organization around was being more learning coaches, that you could have one tutor who builds a relationship with you and your family, but they're more coaching the child through all subjects. An example I have that just kind of comes to the top of mind as I was working with an 11th grader on SAT prep. And one of the things we were noticing with his test scores is they just weren't budging. They got to a certain plateau and they weren't budging. <laughs> and so we had a conversation. And that's what a lot of our tutoring is, is if let's talk, let's kind of figure out what's going on. Come to find out that he, and you know, also I spoke with his mom, he had recently come out as homosexual He was being bullied at school. He was under a lot of stress. Um, He was having a hard time managing those emotions and that stress to it. And so we talked about what are some stress management strategies you can have in your daily practice and also in the moments when you're in that moment. And let's kind of proactively think of some that you think would work for you and let's try them. And so we discussed some ways, you know, journaling, listening to music, and also we got into diet and his sleep patterns. I mean, literally within a couple of weeks, those scores started skyrocketing (laughs) and we continued the discussion. The next time I saw him, how do you feel about these strategies? Oh, I liked this one. I didn't really like this one, but I liked it over here. Shaping it kind of to him, making a really personalized toolbox. If we fail to address the stress that these children are under, there's no way they can think about their math equation that they have to do. We have to help them manage that. And then once they do that, it's like we break through a wall and then they can kind of work through those feelings, not bury them, not ignore them, you know, help them to acknowledge them and work through them in a way that's much healthier than what they were doing before. And then they can actually focus on their learning again. So I think that's a big part. You know, it's an ongoing discussion of really personalizing the strategies for them. It's not a one size fits all. What happens today is going to be totally different than what happens next week. They're going to be in a different emotional space. It's an ongoing process of adjusting and learning and growing with them. You know, there was a report out that teenage depression was at an all-time high. It went from 26% to 44%. Almost half of all teens report having persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. Uh, So I can imagine that if we don't deal with the underlying issues there, it's really hard to concentrate on learning anything. Right. And I mean, it's hard, you know, as adults to us, it may not seem like a big deal because we have our own issues. But I think that that empathy component of understanding what it's like to be their age and, and what they're feeling is big, it's heavy. And it is, it's, it's like a blinder. It's distracting them from what's in front of them. So we have to address it. And you are. And empathy is big for you. I, I'm noticing a trend here because you have this successful tutoring company, but you didn't stop there. You also founded a nonprofit. It's been something that I've been wanting to do for years because before, like you said, I was teaching in South Central. I saw firsthand these students with completely, in many cases, traumatic backgrounds and experiences who were 
fully capable of achieving very highly. And I always wanted to, you know, what about the kids who can't afford tutoring, who, who are totally capable and, and deserve the same chance, but they can't afford it. And so it's always been something I've tried. I've tried various things over the years and nothing really worked. But then with the pandemic school closures, and we all saw what kind of something that I've known forever, but that there's so much inequity there, just the inequity of access to internet, access to technology, access to high quality teachers. Those those are factors that are really disruptive to a person's ability to attain success. And it's just a cycle that keeps repeating over and over. And so I decided, you know what? I have the resources. I have the experience. (laughs) I have the expertise. What am I doing? Let's start a nonprofit. And so the goal with the nonprofit is to take that same high quality tutoring where we're really working on those underlying skills with them. We're going beyond just sitting and doing homework with a student. That's not what we do at all. But it's more of a, you know, really setting them up for a lifetime of success. And I wanted to give that to students who just the only issue was they couldn't afford it. So that's what we're doing. And it's been a success so far. So many people criticize our school systems and politicians and all of that. And you're like, I see a problem. I'm going to do something about it. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. If you have the resources, you know, I had 11 years under my belt of running a tutoring company. I had, you know, a lot of support in the community and personally. And so it was kind of like, why not? Yeah. And you're doing it. And so if somebody's listening, they want to help, what would be a simple step that they could take to help? The eternal battle when it comes to nonprofits is always funding. So I encourage people, the littlest bit is so helpful. We can give a child a mobile hotspot for a really reasonable price, for example, or access to a tablet. And then we, prices of our tutoring with the hourly wages we pay our tutors are, are really affordable as well. So if somebody wants to see exactly where their money is going and exactly what it's doing to help a child, we have on our donate page, you know, what every single amount is going towards. And I think people will be surprised. The donating is a big part of this. We also, have a lot of positions for professional volunteers. I found in running the nonprofit, there's a lot of professionals who have these skills and these abilities and they want to help. They want to use their professional skills to help. We have definitely appreciated our professional volunteers who help with things like bookkeeping, translations, They help with our legal documents, all of these things that would cost us so much money to go pay someone else to do, but saves us the money that we're able to therefore use towards the students instead. So there's lots of opportunities for people to get involved. I love it. There's so many problems in the world we don't know what to do about. This is something we can do. And that's powerful. There's a quote from Frederick Douglass that I just love. It's it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken adults. Man, (laughs) Uh, I love that. Here's an opportunity. You should check it out. Educate, radiate, elevate.org. And okay. So for those of us that have kids of our own, um, maybe teenagers, any recommendations to help them turn off the screens and actually pick up a book that they might enjoy? (laughs) You know, it's funny. And it's actually been my students who have told me about this. Kids love the digital detox apps. Kids are aware (laughs) that their time on social media is wasted. They understand that it's not adding value to their life. And so there's a bunch of digital detox apps that actually gamify minimizing your time on distracting apps and sites. And they kind of make it like a a fun game in a way. There's a bunch of extensions, especially with Chrome, that kind of prevents them to going to that tempting little tab when they're 
working on something and they think, oh, I just want to go check this YouTube tab really quick. It kind of prevents them from going to those. And I heard about these from my students. Also, you mentioned reading. I am a huge advocate for reading. I tell my tutors all the time, if you can get these kids reading for fun, you know, you're really, really setting them up. We do a lot of talking to students about what kind of movies and TV shows do you like? And then we find maybe three or four books that we would suggest to them. But again, let them make the choice. I give them the synopsis. I go to Goodreads and I pull up a summary and say, well, which one do you want to read? And then we read them with the student and have discussions about them because beyond just the reading, there's so much in those who are readers know there's so much value from reading. You can have discussions about that are centered around emotional intelligence. You can have discussions that are centered around history, all kinds of different talks you can have that kind of expand beyond what you're reading together. And that tightens your bond as a parent with your child and you're sharing, you know, a memory together. I'm sure when they get become adults, they're going to say, remember we used to read books together. You're giving them a love of learning. You're opening up their eyes to different areas that maybe they hadn't thought of, but you're also tightening that bond with you and your child for many years to come. So It works really well with tutors. I know it's harder with parents because sometimes when parents make suggestions, the kids are like, no way, (laughs) you know, and that's just your kid, you know, flexing their independent muscles. But if you make it more of a suggestion is kind of the way we go about it. Let's, let's try this together. And if you don't like it, okay, we don't have to do it, but let's read one book together. Let's see how it goes. And then we can adjust after that. I find that we get more buy-in. What I'm noticing a theme here is that you start by getting curious about the individual child or the individual teenager and finding out what they're actually interested in or, or what's going on emotionally, addressing that first before you dive into the subject you're trying to teach them, and then also sparking their curiosity about whatever interests them. And that's really fascinating about the detox apps. I think we could all benefit from using those, but the teens actually are telling you about them and how much they appreciate them. That's huge. Uh, perfectly summarized. Thank you very much for summarizing it that way. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah. do learn a lot from the the, uh, the kids that you tutor. It's true. I mean, they bring up things like another one, one of my students who was severely affected by ADHD, he told me about something called a Pomodoro timer, which is where they work 25 minutes on and get a five minute break. And it was just a game changer for him. And it was a student that found it and told me about it. And now we use it with other students. And that's the stuff I love. Like, I really encourage that in our students. Find your own solutions for things. Advocate for it. Because if you're starting to advocate for yourself and you see the power of your words in affecting change, you're going to begin to advocate for others. You're going to begin to get out there and you know really move and shake in the world and, and be what we would classify as a leader. That's really a goal of mine is to get them to a position where they have the skills and the confidence to, to lead others. I love the Pomodoro timer. I've recommended it before. <laughs> it's just, you know, Italian for tomato from based on the tomato timer. It blocks the other apps so you don't get notifications. Anybody can concentrate on something for 20 minutes. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's something also about that timed break, that five or 10 minute break right. where they know that break is winding down. They see the clock going and they get right back to work more energized and more focused because they had a break. And so rather than constantly fighting against it, they actually are much more 
more efficient. I think that that's kind of the point. It's not a one size fits all. The sit down, you know, some people can work fine for eight hours straight, but not everybody does best in that environment. And so it's really finding what works for you. Well, as you mentioned, our school system was sort of designed around the industrial revolution, creating factory workers. And so maybe you can you know, stand on an assembly line for eight hours might not be fun, but you can do that. But if we're doing knowledge work, I don't know anybody that can go eight hours straight. I can't go an hour straight. You do need those breaks and to refresh and rejuvenate, take a walk outside, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Last question, because you're not just book smart, but you're also well-traveled, taking your last (laughs) name Wander, quite literally, um, (laughs) and having traveled to more than what, 25 countries around the world. What have you most learned through your world travels? It's funny that you bring that up because I actually just adopted the, and I learned the word for it, digital nomad lifestyle starting in August. So I am officially a permanent traveler right now. (laughs) I sold everything in August and I hit the road and I have been traveling. been amazing. I have traveled all over the US. And then most recently, I spent a month and a half in Mexico and a couple months in Colombia. But it's been really nice to pick up and move because what I've noticed with me is I learn more by experiencing. I'm the type of learner. I'm more of a kinesthetic learner. And when I'm in the situation, especially right now, I'm trying to learn Spanish, for example, and so much better for me when I'm living in a Spanish speaking country and I pick it up so much faster. But I also learn about history. I learn about people. I learn about culture. There's so much. It just satisfies that lifelong learner in me because I'm just kind of sucking and sponging everything up around me. And it, it makes me feel more alive. It actually brings joy to my life. But also I, I've noticed it's helped my work life as well, because I feel like I understand people a little bit better. I understand their background better and kind of where they're coming from. There's nothing like being in a country where you don't speak the language. Um, You have to learn (laughs) at least uh, enough to just get around. That's really powerful. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And if people want to find out more about your tutoring services, where can they go? So Worldwise Tutoring is where we work with students all ages, all abilities, all subjects, literally. We have like a 10-month-old right now. And we have a woman in her 60s. Our website is worldwise with an S tutoring.com. There's a lot of ways I'm trying to help support learning for parents, educators, and students. We are in person in Illinois and Texas, but we're online with students all over the world. And then, as you mentioned before, the nonprofit is Educate, Radiate, Elevate. Sometimes that's a little tough. So we also have the domain eretutoring.org, and you'll learn more about our services for K through 12 low-income students of color in Illinois and Texas. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for listening. I hope this has been helpful. And if you're looking for help, figuring out your next simple step, creating the things that inspire you, reach out. You can text me at 559 Five seven four three two one zero. I'll talk to you next time.